Today, it's bird photography with the Canon EOS R6 on Behind the Shot. Hi, as always, welcome to Behind the Shot. I'm Steve Brazel, your host, and this is the show where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots, trying to understand why they make the choices that they do to create the amazing art that they do. And as always, you can find all the show notes for this show and for that matter, every episode of Behind the Shot at the website. It's behindtheshot.com. TV. You can also, of course, find us on YouTube. It's Behind the Shot on YouTube. And if you're interested in subscribing to Behind the Shot, all the links are at the website, BehindTheShot.tv, but you can subscribe in an audio format in your podcast app, audio only, or a video format actually in your podcast app. That is assuming that your podcast app supports video. And with that, I want to get right into today's guest because this is the person who has been on this show more than anyone else Rick Salmon, how are you, sir? Well, I'm doing great. It's always great to be on the show with the guy with the greatest voice and who does the most research of, on his guests. So it's always a pleasure, my friend. Well, you and I have been friends for a long time, and I'm yeah. so glad to have you back on. This is your fifth appearance on uh, Behind the Shot, well more than anybody else. The next closest one is Don Komarechka. And when his new macro book comes out, he'll start to catch you. Oh, cool. uh, so we'll we'll just keep having that race. But I'm glad to have you on because you are not only an inspiration to me in your your photography and your education, right? You, you to me, you're kind of like Scott Kelby in that way. And actually, David Bergman, too. You're one of those people who, to me, is born to educate people on photography, to stand up in front of them or talk with them in a podcast-type environment like this. And that kind of takes us to some of your your... I don't even want to use the word accomplishments, but some of your resume, as it were, right? You are a <laughs> Canon Explorer of Light. One of yes. very few. I've had a number of them on this show, actually. Explain for those people who don't understand, because every every brand has ambassadors, right? right? Nikon right. has their ambassadors. Explain what Canon Explorer of Light means. Well, I've been an Explorer of Light since uh, 2003. So I've been there uh, some of the, uh, I think uh, I'm one of the longest standing uh, Canon Explorers of Light. I'm also one of the oldest. <laughs> so it's uh, it's kind of cool. It is an honor. But pe people ask me all the time, how do you get to be a Canon Explorer of Light? Because it is, it is really an honor. And I say, write 28 books. So at that time, in 2003, I'd written uh, 28 books. Now I have 41. But I, I use the product. So they, can't, they go to people who use and genuinely use and genuinely love the product. So what it means to answer your specific question is, you know, we go around and we educate people on photography. And it's not like shouting canon. It's like whispering canon. So if I'm giving a presentation, I'm talking about, you know, why I'm taking a picture in addition to how I'm taking the picture. And then I, I weave in that it was taken with Canon gear, which has never uh, let me down. As you know, I've been to Antarctica five times and in those and Alaska and the high Arctic and the gear has never let me down. So and, that, and I myself am a Canon shooter, and you yep. can't see it probably in this two-up shot that I've got right now, but I've got the Pro the 1000 printer behind me that was kindly given to me for a review by Canon. When I tried to return it, they went, no, 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 we, <laughs> we just hang on to it. You've used it. You're fine, which was very, very nice of them uh, because that was the other thing was they know right. that I'm not going to, because they told me to keep it, the review was already done. Right. right. They just know that their gear holds up. And you mentioned that when you became a Canon Explorer of Light, you had 28 books. You've got 41 right. books now. 
So 41. let's talk about your books for just a second, because you've got books on composition. One of my favorites actually is your pre-visualization book, because I don't think people consciously, intentionally think about pre-visualization enough. Your road trips books, which I have a couple of, and your latest books. So let's start with not the newest one, but the one before that, which is Phototherapy, Motivation, and Wisdom, Discovering the Power of Pictures. Right. Well, what first, is thank, well first, thank you for being a part of it. And uh, so after writing uh, 39 picture books, I figured I'm going to try to do something different because I do love writing. And uh, so I decided to do a book with uh, no pictures. So it's a photography book with no pictures, and it actually is my best-selling book to date. And basically, you know, the title says it all. It's about motivation. It's about inspiration. And it's really more about why we take pictures and not just how we take pictures. You know, you could go on the web and, you know, find 10,000 YouTubes on the exposure triangle or or the Boker right. effect and all that stuff. So this is- What a histogram is, yeah. Yeah, what a histogram is, right? Or about megapixels. So what this book is about, Steve, it's really about why we take pictures. And if we understand why we take pictures, why we point our cameras in certain ways and why we either you know shoot tight or wide, it's, it's really a reflection of ourselves. You know, one of my favorite expressions is that the camera looks both ways. In picturing the subject, we're also picturing a part of ourselves. And, of course, that, that, this is why you're a great podcaster because, you know, you, you're like a mirror, right? So the microphone hears both ways, right? So <clears throat> whether you're taking a landscape, that's a reflection of yourself, right? If, and I'm a people person, so most of my pictures are about people and, and wildlife. I love wildlife, too, which we're going to get into. But I think if people understand why they take pictures and look more deeply inside, you know, Ansel Adams said the most important accessory is the 12 inches behind the camera, right? <laughs> Meaning your brain. Right. And, 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 and it's, it's true. Dave, our mutual friend, Dave Williams, who does a lot for, for Kelby One, yeah. just wrote a blog post, actually. Uh, go look this up. I, you yeah. know what? I'll try and remember to put this in the show notes. But- he just wrote a blog post on Scott Kelby's blog. Like we all do periodically, he gets different guest bloggers. And what he did was, I, I think it's 30 different famous photography quotes. Right. And I love it because sometimes it's that little sentence, like the most important accessory is the 12 inches behind the camera. Right. Sometimes it's those little statements that really hold the most weight. And when you first told me you were doing phototherapy and now the yeah. newest book, PhotoQuest. Yeah. My comment to you was, and you said to me, Steve, what do you think about this? Because it's a photo book yeah. with no photos, was yeah. my favorite book on magic, because you and yeah. I both love yeah. magic. My favorite book on magic is Darwin Ortiz, Real Magic, which is about two, three inches thick right. on magic. It doesn't have a trick in it, right? right? It's all on concepts and theory right. to make you better at it. And that that's what, to me, also PhotoQuest is. PhotoQuest, yeah. discovering your photographic and artistic voice yeah. Again, I have a small part in that one. I think it's well, page 44. You. Tell me about PhotoQuest. Well, PhotoQuest is a, basically it's a follow-up to a phototherapy. And it's about discovering your photographic and artistic voice. Like you have a voice. My friend Alec Aaron says that his camera is his microphone. I think that's really a good thing. It's his way to express himself. So what PhotoQuest is about, I actually, it's by, uh, it says right on the cover, Rick Salmon and the All-Star Photo Mentors. And I got this idea from uh, seeing Ringo, Ringo Starr and the All-Stars. Ringo right? Starr and his All-Star Band. Right. And he has great people. And the, the whole collect, the collectiveness of that made seeing him really great. So I figured I have enough books. So I invited 36 
of uh, today's top photographers, uh, instructors, including yourself, uh, to participate. I've Scott Kelby in there, Frank Dorhoff, Don Kamarechka's in there. And I, I did this and it was kind of fun. I asked, uh, I asked everyone to say what their superpower is. And for your listeners who say, what the heck is this guy talking about a superpower? <clears throat> I started off that chat. Well, let me ask you a question, Steve. When you think of a, a superhero, a right. superhero now, who is the most powerful superhero? Who has real It would super- depend on, on which fan you ask, but to me, it would probably always go back to Superman. Of course. So Superman has superpowers. Batman doesn't have any superpowers. No. He, he has no superpowers, yet he's a superhero because he uses his brain and his courage. That's and his, arguably that's his power, right? Is I, his Well, that's his superpower. Like Santana, you love music and you know I love Santana and I, I think you love Santana too, right? Oh, yeah. He's I finally really got to on, photograph him, in fact. Oh, gosh, I wish I were there. I saw him at Woodstock and I didn't get to photograph him. But anyway, Santana's superpower, if you take like music out of it, he's great on guitar. He's great at recording. But what's his superpower that makes him great? And I think it's his uh, just wanting to communicate that feeling, that love of music and being aware of the effect of his music on other people. I also think he's a very spiritual person. So I think for your listeners, if you could ask yourself, what, what's your superpower that makes you good at something? And if you're good at something, you're usually good at a lot of things. And that's how it I got the idea for this chapter, by the way, from my son, Marco. I said, Marco, you're good at one thing. You're good at a lot of things. And I think I've told you he's getting his PhD in finance. He says, well, we talk about this all the time, that it's a superpower inside. Like Darwin. Darwin's superpower, Charles Darwin, his superpower wasn't being like totally tuned into nature. His superpower was being so detail-oriented that he could like – write down every single thing about every species. So for your listeners, you could ask uh, yourselves uh, what your superpower is that makes you good at something. I think it'll give you a better understanding of why you uh, photograph. I think it also gives you a better understanding of how that that morphs into other areas. Because like you said, I think talent in one area, talent at all, yeah, tends to to uh, lend itself to talent in other areas. Yeah. You, I mentioned as an educator, Mm-hmm. And I mentioned Dave Williams with doing the Kelby One blog and a lot of stuff for Kelby. Uh, you are a Kelby One instructor. And if for those people that don't know mm-hmm. Kelby One, please go look up Kelby One. It's the people who do Photoshop World and stuff. But you have over 20 classes on Kelby One. You do podcasting regularly, not just as a guest stint like this, but you know you did your Picturing Success podcast. And and now you're doing your uh, your phototherapy Facebook group, yeah. which is yeah. a play <laughs> off the title of the book. Yeah. And you're live streaming to that with Juan Pons. And I know Alec Ahrens has been on there too. Um, you do seminars when things are open. You're kind of an all-around guy, which makes sense that you're a Canon explorer of light. And as soon as I started seeing rumors of the new <laughs> Canon gear, and this was months ago on canonrumors.com or any of the other rumor sites that are out there, I started thinking to myself, I know he can't say anything, <laughs> but I kind of want to get him on Zoom or Skype and just ask him a question and see if his eyes change to <laughs> indicate that he's got something. Because Canon made some 
rather amazing announcements. When the Canon EOS R came out, and I know people who love the EOS R, you being one of them. Yep. My buddy Anthony Dangio also loves the Canon EOS R and shoots a lot of video actually with it. When when that came out, however, there were from a lot of people a lot of complaints saying it's only got one card slot or it's this issue or that. This isn't the pro body that that represents the 5D series that we were hoping for or the 1D series. This announcement checked those boxes. You've got a five series mirrorless. You've got a six series mirrorless. And they in many ways mirror those, those worlds where the five has the weather ceiling of a 5D Mark IV. Right. The six has a weather ceiling of a, of a 6D. And there's other differences. But down the line, other than megapixels and 8K video, they're very similar. Like... Mm-hmm. 20, 20 frames per second or 12 frames per second based on electronic or, or mechanical shutter on both of them. Great processor, the, the Digic 10 or Digic X on both of them. Two card slots on both of them, although one of them is the, the two SD slots, the other one is a CF Express slot. But arguably, and people are asking me this all the time, arguably the six for what I shoot may be better than the five. Because it's less megapixels, which means bigger photo sites on the sensor. It's like it's similar to a 1DX Mark III sensor. So it's going to be better at high ISO. In fact, it actually has higher ISO settings available to you than the 5. One other big difference is the 5 has the top LCD panel, whereas the 6 has the knob. You shot all the pictures that we're going to talk about today on the Canon EOS R6. And I'm going to... As we're talking, I'm going to show some of these shots. But what I want to know from you is, since you already shot with the R, mm-hmm. what is your honest opinion about the R6? How does it feel in your hand? Which is, to some people with big hands like me, a complaint about mirrorless from some companies. No names being mentioned. Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious what you think about the R having actually used it for shots like the one that I have up of these two geese fighting, I mean, what's it like to hold this camera and actually use it, the R6? Right. Well, people ask me all the time at that question, you know, what do you think of the camera? And I just send them the picture, right? I mean, and, you know, the, the file size for everything that most people are going to do. Uh, someone said today, uh, they're talking about the file size. It says, if, they said, if you want to make a picture as big as a Peter Lick makes, you know, in Vegas, you know, that are like right, right. 24 feet long. I don't know how long they are, but you know, they're giant. You know, you might want to get a, a more megapixel, a, a higher megapixel camera. But for what the average person does, uh, it's perfect. I, I'm making like tack sharp of these bird pictures. Uh, on my Canon Pro 100, 17 by 22 inch prints, but I'm sure I could make a 20 by a 24 inch print from that. And who's going to do that, right? Not too many right. people are even going to do that. But what's great about the camera is the in-body image stabilization. And I'm shooting with the f11 lenses. And I got to tell you, the, okay, so the new lenses you're talking the 600 and the 800, yeah. and they're 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 not variable aperture. They are fixed at f11, right? Right. Now, a lot of people probably can't even believe you're saying that, right? Because they never heard of a fixed F11 lenses, right? And they would say, oh, F11, I got to shoot at a high ISO. My picture's going to be grainy. They're going to be noisy and blah, blah, blah. Well, if you if you have that shot back up there again, you can see every feather on that Canada goose's, uh, well, the wings of the body. The, and, t- the and two every, geese having a fight, yeah. The two, the two geese having a fight. And by the way, the key to the, both of those shots, if uh, – 
we did a poll, people probably wouldn't guess what the key was get, to getting those shots uh, was, but it's it was listening. That pond is about uh, just 100 feet away from our house or less. And every morning when I got involved in this project, I would listen. And when they start honking, uh, we call it honking, uh, I ran down. And I, that's when I saw like the fight. That's when I saw them landing. So a, a great bird photography tip is listening. It's very, very important in your backyard too, because the blue jays have a different sound than the uh, than the uh, red winged blackbird and the woodpeckers and whatever. Well, and back, one of the shots one of the shots you sent me was is this a little hawk? Oh yeah, that's a little hawk. That's at a a, a, a raptor center, not too far from here. And I chose a dark background because um, I wanted the bird to stand out. But at f eleven, that that picture, I forget the exact ISO. My, my average ISO shooting with those lenses were, was probably ISO two thousand or ISO, which is nothing these days, right? But right. I have pictures. I have some geese pictures taken at ISO ten thousand. And they're pretty darn good. Okay. If I make a giant printer, they're going to have a little noise in it. Yes. But, you know, Who as cares? you know, I, you know, you know, my father's expression about noise. If a picture's so boring that you notice a noise, it's a boring picture. It's really true. But that, that you could, and I'll, I'll tell you this. And people, I've been doing workshops for, uh, I don't know, 20 years. Anyone who's ever list, who's listening here has been on a workshop with me will tell you that they never saw Rick Salmon use a 600 and 800 millimeter lens. Never. Because it's too heavy, too bulky to take to Africa. It's going to make, you know, you may not be able to get it on the plane. because You can't hand hold it. Well, some people can hold a 600 millimeter lens. But uh, then you need a tripod and a gimbal head and all this. Plus, they're super expensive, Right. So these right. lenses, I think they're under a thousand bucks. They're under a thousand. The six hundred, I think, was six or seven hundred dollars, and I think it's nine hundred or eight hundred for the eight hundred millimeter lens. And they're diffracted optics, which and by keeping it f eleven, by the way, you know what makes lenses huge and heavy is when you go two point eight. Right now, can you keeping use that it f eleven? Let them keep it, uh, uh, you know, smaller, and let them keep it lighter. And these do have is in them, which is nice. The other thing that was interesting, and since you've used it, I'm kind of curious. You're the first person I've been able to talk to that used it. They discussed that it can collapse 25%. Yes. So it like slides out and slides in. Is that weird to use? Uh, no, it's really cool. Uh, when I got the lenses, I, I was really surprised because they, they were like this. Basically, you, you t twist it and then you, you expand it. So they're super compact and they're super light. It's kind of like they're so light, it's like, Actually, I made a video for Canon. It's on YouTube. Probably do a search or uh, you could uh, get the link or I could send you the link. Um, I could juggle those lenses. They're so light. But I never use these long lenses. So, of course, I missed some shots. And people say, well, you're locked into F11. It's so limiting. Well, here's what I say. I say, you know, I used to have a grand piano, right? 88 keys. I could do a lot on that. Beethoven and uh, Rachmaninoff. Uh, Right, uh, Keith Emerson, right? <laughs> uh, could could uh, Billy Joel could do a lot on uh, Elton John could do a lot on that. So, if you give them an electric piano like Chick Corea plays, right, seventy three keys, it's limited. You can't do everything. But if you know that that's what you're working with, so yes, you have to. You F eleven, so you're boosting your ISO. And again, I boosted that. I like you said about the uh, image sensor. And that is the same one as the, I guess, the 5D Mark IV. Is that correct? 
You're more technical Actually, I think it's the 1DX Mark III. It's the a one, similar the, sensor to the 1DX Mark III on the yeah. R6. Yeah. So that's that's just amazing, right? That in this relatively small, compact, lightweight, relatively affordable body. So again, when people say, you know, I have a picture of a cardinal where, you know, in bird photography, uh, if the eye's not in focus and well lit, I say you missed the shot, right? So we could see this is what I'm going for in all those pictures. I want that eye in focus, but all well, these and pictures- you played with the shutter speed on this one too, with those wings, and that's yeah, the did- thing about. To me about the R6, those wings are beautifully blur and soft. The depth of field is even F11 awesome because you're at 600 millimeters right. or 800 millimeters, and yet the eye is tack. But you do the same thing with your uh, rock concert photography, right? You have the musician's right. face sharp, and you have you know either the drumsticks move. I think I, I saw a picture where the drumsticks were blurred that you yep. took. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to weave in this joke, but I forgot in the beginning when you said we're going to talk about the birds. Uh, I was thinking of the rock group, the birds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that maybe Grand a Nash. lot of your younger listeners never heard of. <laughs> well, they've probably heard them, but th- do not know who it was. So right. let me say this really quick before we pull up. And and I've shown some of the other shots that that we, you know, that you supplied to me. These will all be in the gallery at the website, like the owl that's flying by, or I just showed oh. the cardinal shot, the the goose, or it's not a goose, it's a swan that's yeah. at the nest, which is just amazing. And we'll we'll get to all of those shots in the blog post. They'll all be over there for you to look at. But before I go any farther and we we bring up quote unquote today's today's image, I do want to do a disclaimer here. The Canon EOS R6 and EOS R5 are not out in public yet. They're not available yet. They'll be available at the end of July. So Rick, being a Canon Explorer of Light, was provided a copy before they actually went to market. So all the images that you are seeing here, these images were shot with a pre-production sample of the Canon EOS R6 camera. They are not final body. Uh, It is not a final body that he shot with. So just be aware of that. It's effectively a prototype body. Uh, So all the images that you're seeing, firmware hasn't been locked down. That'll be locked down until the day of release. I just want to make that, you know, in fact, it'll be it'll be locked down until the day of release and then probably patched afterwards. It's normal for cameras. So just be aware. These are pre-production sample body pictures uh, of that. So, you know, with that in mind, let's get in to say again. Go ahead. Well, you mentioned that owl picture and you mentioned what I like about the uh, yes, what I like about the camera. This is amazing. Uh, I would say about 20 years ago, I wrote an article and I said that they should rename lenses. Like rather than calling it uh, uh, a a wide angle lens, they should call it a landscape lens, right? So if I were uh, in charge of renaming lenses, I would call this like the 600 millimeter like wildlife and sports photography lens. Because outdoor wildlife and sports photography lens. Uh, Because for wildlife, what this camera has, it has a animal tracking in it and people tracking and it switches back and forth. Oh, you could choose animal tracking or people tracking. So that owl flying right toward me, this is amazing. I mean, I, I get excited about this because you're looking at the viewfinder, you see all these little squares and then the square goes right to the animal's eye. So like as I said before, Steve, if the eye's not in focus and so we'll let you miss the shot. So Animal tracking, I think, is who would have, well, first of all, when I started, who would, who would have even thought of autofocus cameras, right? But right. now we have cameras with animal tracking in them. So for any uh, 
wildlife photographer who wants to photograph animals. And all these pictures have, we were talking about this before, have gesture in them. When you do your rock photography, I love the gesture that you capture. So that's what yep. I'm going. That's what I'm going for in these, in these pictures. I'm going for gesture. So wait until you see the picture we chose to actually break down today. And I just want to remind you that the pictures I just showed, which are more samples of that pre-production EOS R6 from Canon, those pictures and the quote unquote picture that we're going to dissect today on behind the shot or, or look at detail in, those are all available on the website. The website is behindtheshot.tv. Make sure that you head over there. You can see a full blog post about Rick. There's links to everything. I'll add the links to uh, the video for Canon that he did. And I'll also add the link to the one that I mentioned for Dave Williams that he did on Scott Kelby's blog with all the photo quotes. Again, a reminder, if you like what you're seeing and you're watching this on YouTube, do me a favor, subscribe and make sure that you click that bell. Otherwise, you won't be notified every time I release something new. Click the bell and you will. And of course, if you prefer to watch in a podcast app or listen in a podcast app, that's cool too. We have two different feeds. The standard behind the shot is audio only. And then of course, we have behind the shot video, which is the video feed also available in the podcast app of your choice. My favorite one right now is RSS radio, which is available on iOS. I don't know if it's available on Android, uh, but it's easy to find out. So let's get into today's shot. And before we do, I'm going to, as I bring this shot up, I am going to try, as I always do, to describe it, which uh, is always difficult for me. But this one is going to actually, I think, be one of the easier ones because it's majestic. That's the first thought that hit mm -hmm. me when I saw this shot is it's majestic. It's a Canadian goose on the water. Acting like a rock star, yeah. right? I mean, looking straight down the barrel of the lens, full wing spread, super rich color. And the color, when I saw the color, it reminded me of Canon's mirrorless cameras, in, in particular the EOS R. And now this shot with the, the pre-production EOS uh, R6. Six. So uh, the other thing is a lot of detail. There's so much kind of detail in the wings and in the, the breast area of this bird that it's somewhat surprising. The picture that Rick sent me the first time, because I use a certain size for video, right? But the first one he sent me was bigger resolution. And when you look at this picture on a screen at full resolution, I don't know that you're going to get this on a 1080p video. The detail, not just when I say detail as in like detail in feathers, right? Or water droplets on, on the breast yeah. area of the bird, the detail in the color transitions really kind of caught me off guard. It creates um, kind of a depth of field, uh, not depth of field, uh, wrong word, a 3D type depth to the wings and the feathers. It feels 3D. The, lighting, then, the lighting had a lot to do with that. But but still, and then you've got this wonderful, a lot of times when I see a 600 millimeter lens, the, the, the depth of field fall off is so fast that it actually kind of almost looks fake, like somebody blurred the background because all you see is the bird tack sharp. You see the background so blurry, it's like something weird. This is a, because of the F11, is this super smooth fall off. So let's talk about this image just a little bit here. You shot this with the 600 or the 800? 600. 
all the pictures that I've shown were the 600? Uh, that I I don't know. I'd have D to check. Did you use the 800 too? I used the 800 too. But I was, someone asked me the difference today. And I said, well, with all lenses, the longer the lens, the harder it is to use. So I use, uh, out of the two lenses, um, I also use the 100 to 500, which is amazing. I mean, that, that lens is amazing. But the six, most of the pictures were taken uh, with the 600 around our pond. This is on the opposite side of the pond. And with that, with that focal length, the, I, I don't think this uh, great bird knew I was there. It was, uh, it was about to take off. Now, you talked about the light. So I could say this is, could be the cover of my next book, Steve, Rick Salmon's Dumb Luck Shots, right? I mean, everything- uh, Somehow I don't believe this was dumb luck. Well, I mean, well, thank you. But the background, it was close enough to the background where we have that nice fall off. But uh, a photography tip, um, if the uh, highlights are overexposed and washed out, you know, more than, if they're more than a stopover, you can't rescue them. So I'm always exposing for the highlights. So in the camera, the R6, I have the histogram activated and the highlight alert activated. And so I'm doing test shots of the other geese around the pond. But getting back to listening, I heard the honking and I went down there and I, and I know a spot where I can hide and uh, they land. But let, again, let me I'm interrupt you. Yeah. you. You said you're listening and you hear the honk. Yeah. What is that? I'm, I am not a bird photographer, so my ignorance will be yeah, really yeah. obvious right now. So what, it, it, what does the honk tell you? It, it tells you they I mean, you don't speak you don't speak geese. No, they they're excited. It sounds like a honk 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 like that. So when they're coming in for a landing, they honk. When they're fighting, they're honking. When they're going to take off, they start to honk. When they're going to have a fight, they start to honk. Right. Uh, so just like lions, uh, you know, roar when they're going to have a fight or when they're about to mate or whatever. So listening told me go down to the pond and. The light was just so beautiful. It's kind of like top side light. If you look, it's coming from about 2 o'clock, right? And I'm sure you've heard the expression, oh, you can't take a picture between 10 and 2 o'clock. Well, the lights, you could see the shadows uh, coming from uh, from up to the, uh, right. you know, almost over and behind. But I'm using a fast shutter speed. I, I forget what the ISO on this was. It was either I actually pulled up the... The EXIF data on this shot, okay. and what I saw, and I, I, I'm assuming it's correct. It is <clears throat> 600 millimeter, yeah. four thousandth of a second, which explains the crispness. I mean, just crisp on those wings. Right. F11, obviously, because it's the mm -hmm. F11 lens. ISO 2500. ISO 2500. Right again. I remember telling my dad when I was growing up, I didn't want to push a Tri-X 400 to 800. <laughs> right. So this, this is, is not. A this is so clean, people. This image is so clean. It's at 2,500. I'd kill for a body like that. Oh, you know what? That just made me think of something. By the way, I, I should mention also in the EXIF data, it showed aperture priority. Uh, yes. A lot of people are surprised that I shoot a lot, right? All the time, even birds. But I'm keeping an eye on the shutter speed. So I'm thinking about that exposure triangle. So even bald eagles that are flying at 90 miles an hour, I'm shooting on the aperture priority mode, and I'm adjusting the aperture with a lens that you could do that on to get the right, right shutter speed. So here I wanted to stop the action. I think you're going to show some other pictures where we have the wings blurred to add a sense of motion to the picture. Right. Like that one that was the uh, the Cardinal Yeah, uh, is just... And the, the other thing I like about the Cardinal shot actually is just the color. It's just, as a Cardinal well, would be, the wing color and the, the back of the head color is just just amazing. But well, it's, on it's this kind shot, of backlit. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's kind of backlit. So you get that rim light on that back wing on the cardinal right. shot. And again, for the people listening to audio, I don't normally do a ton of pictures during a show because about 50% of you listen on audio. And I don't want you to have to try and follow along as I'm switching a million pictures. But I need to do this on this show because we're talking about a camera that's A, at the time of this podcast release, new from Canon, but but uh, more importantly, B, a huge release as far as importance is concerned from Canon. There's one thing I was thinking about. It, this was a pre-production body. Right. So DPP, Digital Photo Pro, the Canon software, probably hadn't been updated to edit a raw image. Clearly Lightroom is not ready for a raw image. So did you shoot these JPEG? Yep. I mean, these are JPEG shots straight out of camera, pretty much. They're all J. I did have the software, but um, I, you know, the thing is this: if you know what you're doing, wow. if you get the right in-camera exposure, I know a lot of people. You know, they, there's a podcaster out there. I shoot raw, you know, and all this stuff. All right. these pictures are JPEG uh, are JPEG files. And by the way, getting back to this picture and all the pictures, animal tracking. This is this is this is the key. I mean, I'm so blown away by that. Uh, a camera how far away, be- you know, with you with you shooting on a 600 here, how yeah. far away are you from this this main geese picture with the the wings out, looking like it looks like a statue on the corner of a building. Well, it looks like that also, uh, like Game of Thrones. Uh, when I said this to Canon, do you ever use a flame filter in Photoshop? I do not. I well, probably anyway, should start now. You, you could add a flame. I'll, I'll send you the picture. I put because they said it looks like Khaleesi's dragon in the Game of Thrones. So I put the flames like coming down from uh, from the mouth to the water, and they thought it was uh, well. Some people thought it was funny. <laughs> so uh, so how far away are you? Yeah, I think if I have to guess, it's about twenty four. Maybe it did. It, this is a probably about a half the frame, so maybe it's fifty feet away. So this is crop. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, this is actually a crop. And and the one I have up is the 16 by 9, but on the blog post I have the full crop, which is just a little more on the top yeah. and a little yeah. bit more on it, on the it, bottom. And the cardinal. The, the you, know how small, you know how small a cardinal is? That was probably about 25% of the frame. Really? Birds are really wow. okay. You know, backyard birds are really hard to much harder. You go to Bosque del Apache, Alaska, Antarctica, much easier to get bird pictures than in your backyard. So you mentioned animal tracking as well as normal human, you know, slash eye tracking. People, tra- yeah. How responsive speed wise was the the R six, the EOS R six? You know, you've got the IS going. I'm assuming you yeah. were using the IS. Yeah. In body IS on the on the six plus the lens mm-hmm. has three stops of IS. I don't know if that combination adds together mm-hmm. or not, but how responsive when you pointed a bird in that boo, bird moves how responsive because these are inexpensive lenses i didn't expect that you'd get super fast autofocus out of them but it looks like you did well that's what i said when people ask me the questions i took a picture of the croton dam where i live at sunrise they say is it good for landscape i just send the picture <laughs> right so they say yeah and just check out the picture zoom in on the picture uh, the picture, the proof, which is- I have up net right now. Uh, I just oh. pulled up the Croton Dam shot, and I told Rick in the green room, and I'll say it again here. I have known Rick for years. I have seen so many Croton Dam shots <laughs> from Rick. 
I have never seen a Croton Dam shot, Croton on Hudson Dam, like this one. There is something here about the warmth on the water and the sunrise sunrise in the background. But then at the top, you have a wonderful color sky that's not too warm. And the waterfall itself, which is long exposured and blurred, the waterfall itself, because it's not in the sun, right? The sun's coming across that lake, but really, really shallow angle of attack. And then you have the waterfall coming off. The waterfall is getting none of that ambient warm light. And so the waterfall is super cool in, in white balance, you know, color temperature. And the mix of this and the long exposure, what it did to the surface of the water. I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. But seriously, it's my favorite shot, damn shot. That I shouldn't say it's my favorite yeah. <laughs> damn shot uh, that you have ever done. Here's a question I have for you going back to our, our chosen shot here. Well, You've been shooting the EOS R. This new one has the animal tracking and has a number of other features available in it that the R did not. Did you notice as a user of both, one of the rare people that has shot both an R and an R6, did you notice a difference in the, the autofocus or performance of the camera? Well, uh, we've lived here for 35 years and I never photographed uh, fast moving birds in my backyard. So I can't really compare. You know, I have photographed fast-moving birds in Alaska with the top-of-the-line cameras, uh, Canon cameras. Uh, so I would say that it was it's just fast enough. But getting back to the damn picture, if we could for a second. Um, yeah. Thank you very much. But there's, there's an old expression in photography, never underestimate the importance of a good subject. I mean, so that's – it was just a beautiful, beautiful sunrise – but the technically, if you look at the dynamic range of that image, that you have a bright glare on the water, you have bright sun, and you can see into the shadows. And that's a oh no, this way. is again, this is almost a th this is pretty close to perfect that you'd get on a shot like this. Let me ask you a question. As a, I did some processing on it, of course. You see that uh, tree, that log? Yeah, There's a little. It's sticking on the left. I, I contemplated uh, taking that out. And I said, you know, I'm going to leave it in because it's natural. But uh, speaking of geese, I, I don't think your viewers could see this. But if you zoom in right behind that, this camera is so sharp. You could see two geese that are, you know, hundreds of feet away from me. It's the, so it's a dynamic range. And On the, that log? Uh, no, no. They're, they're behind the log. There's two, two little dots. They may look like dust specks, but they're two little. All right. Uh, hold on, because now I got to zoom in. They're two little birds there. I can't see it on this screen, but I'm looking on a tiny, tiny screen. Hopefully other people can watch this and actually, actually, you know, see it hit still. I, I love the shot. That's the main thing. I love the shot. So let me ask you a question about something because the EOS R6 does, and for that matter, the EOS R5 too, which kind of surprised me. They're the same. Uh, it just makes the EOS R6 such a, such an amazing value. They both do 20 frames. I mentioned this earlier. 20 frames uh, per second electronic, 12 frames per second mechanical shutter. How does that help you with, you know, compared to using an, a standard DSLR, how does that, you know, unless you pay for a 1DX Mark III or something, how does that help you shooting that many frames on a subject like this, you know, wings open bird? 
gesture. That's that's the thing. If you and it's the same thing with uh, football players. You look at the cover of uh, Sports Illustrated, and you look at the football photographs. You know, if the football's like you know, like if the if the quarterback's passing it, and it's like right over the eye, you know, like this, it's going to ruin the shot. But it's like right by the eye. So this helps you capture more gestures, so you you get a wider choice and. Um, the geese fighting picture that we talked about before, you know, I took a lot of pictures there and I captured, you know, these geese are moving fast. They're flapping their wings really fast with that Cardinal picture. I think that was taken. Can you pull up the information on the Cardinal picture? If not, it's okay. But yeah, I, think, uh, I can go I, try and find it really quick. It's okay. Um, let me, let me was, ask you this while you're doing that. Yeah. Uh, well, go ahead and say what you were going to say. What I was going to say is uh, wings, birds, wings, wings, move very fast and the closer they are um the more exaggerated with all subjects the more exaggerated that movement is so you have to shoot at high shutter speeds and a fast frame rate to capture the exact coolest gesture same thing with a golf swing. which which same shot thing. did you want the exif data on the cardinal uh, the cardinal the red bird with the wings kind of like back yeah i got you got it right here hold on so that picture is let's see here it's f11 obviously yeah uh 5000 iso mm-hmm. and 5000 and look how sharp it is 5000 iso yeah and it's i mean people seriously go look on the blog post if you're listening to audio one eight hundredth of a second so you dragged it a little bit compared yeah. to the actual chosen shot for today right. um to get that that wing blur uh so I, i'm eight- curious yeah, an eight hundredth of a ahead. second isn't. That means the shutter would go off eight hundred times a second, right? Right. One eight hundredth of a second is not fast enough to freeze. So this is why you want a camera with a high frame rate. Let, let me ask you this: Was there anything on the R six that surprised you that you didn't uh, expe- expect? I mean, you kind of knew what you were getting. They probably gave you a rundown of it when they when they sent you the the pre release body. But was there anything that you used and still went, "Oh, wow." I think I was surprised at how, uh, you know, that high frame rate. But I think it was a combination. It was a combination of lenses, that, focal length lenses that I never used. You know, so this was my assignment. Hey, Rick, try this camera that you never used. You know, and we know you used uh, mirrorless cameras. Try using these long lenses that, you know, we, you never used. So, and I only had a few weeks to do this. So that, that, uh, that goose shot there was taken about uh, just a few weeks after I got the camera, and I have a whole series of them. Uh, so, so let me I- let me talk about this shot really quick. This bird mm-hmm. is dead accurate in the center of the shot. The way you mm-hmm. cropped it is absolutely spot on. The position is good. The amount above and below is perfect. Well, it's cropped. A crop. From- yes, but you and I have had this discussion privately before. You know, you mentioned other podcasts out there that, that you know, I shoot raw or whatever. And I, I hear so many people say, I never crop. And my mm. attitude is, well, you know what? If you chose a 24 over a 70 or you chose a 70 over a 24, you just cropped, right? You chose a different frame field of view based on the lens you chose. You're, you're cropping anyway. Right. Just make the perfect shot. And you cropped it so absolutely perfect here and the other thing is your angle of of view you're down at the bird's eye level you're not mm-hmm. standing up seven feet in the air on a on, you know he's on the water you're a foot off the water on land plus six foot tall you know you you shot this at the right angle did you 
with this being a JPEG, did you process this at all? Oh, yeah. I processed all my pictures. Uh, basically, what I do is <clears throat> we talk about the highlights. And there's a swan picture there in there. I don't know if you showed it yet. But uh, I don't want the – well, if we stick with this picture, if you look at the breast, you mentioned the detail before. Right. So I do check the histogram. I do check the highlight alert. But if they are – highlights are overexposed a little, I will tone them down in Camera Raw. And I use Camera Raw. One of the, one of the few people probably who's been on your awesome podcast who uses uh, Camera Raw. Camera raw more than Lightroom, but uh, yeah. So I, I I do that, and sometimes I darken the edges a little, um, and then I enhance what, the color. In what software? It's mostly it's mostly it's Camera Raw and Lightroom. Do you use anything else? Because I, I think uh, you use Nick, don't you? Color effects. Oh, I love the Nick stuff. Not for any. I'm looking at the pictures here. Not for. I didn't use Nick for uh, any of these. Uh, the Nick Color Effects okay. Pro by DxO Optic. No, these are all uh, done in uh, Lightroom. I mean, in Photoshop. And no Photoshop? No, I, I'm correcting myself. Well, you mentioned Lightroom, so I was thrown off uh, Camera Raw. Yeah, people okay. come on my workshops, but, they can't believe I just use Photoshop and Camera Raw. Yeah, that's amazing to me. There, there's one thing that having not hold the hold, having not yeah. held the R6. Yeah that I keep thinking about, and I kind of hinted to it earlier, and there are other manufacturer bodies for mirrorless cameras. And I'm going to use the the Sony as, as an example. And I, I don't misunderstand me. I have friends that shoot Sony. I have friends and acquaintances that love their Sony A7R3s or whatever. And uh, that's great. And they make great pictures. Okay, cool. I can make great pictures with my phone nowadays. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of great cameras out there. But here's the problem that I have, and that is I'm not a huge guy. I'm six foot one almost, and my hands are normal sized. But the size of those bodies on a, on a Sony, let's say, the size of those bodies are such that when I hold the handle, the lenses mount. I'm trying to do it where they can see it on screen. Yeah, yeah I understand. But you know, the, the lenses mount, and then the lens flanges out before it goes straight. So it comes back, flanges yeah. in to connect to the little mount area. And my fingers get hit by the lens, my finger knuckles, as I hold it, because the body just, to me, really? doesn't feel great in my hands. And the reason I shoot Canon is a huge part. Their bodies feel comfortable in my hands. You and I are about the same size, height-wise, et cetera. You're a little taller than me. How does that body, the R6, feel in your hand? Getting back to music. This will answer your question. Well, the answer is it feels great. Um, when I play the piano, if I'm at a Steinway or a Yamaha grand piano, I feel better, and I think I sound better than if I'm a, uh, playing a Wurlitzer upright that I grew up on. Okay, because okay. I feel better. I feel better. I like the feel of it. And I know it sounds, it's called ergonomics. I know it sounds kind of funny. You know, can, can you take better pictures, you know, if you feel better about it? And I think you could do anything better if you feel, if you feel good, which is why I always I wear a T-shirt. I went to Catholic school and I had to wear a tie in May and, and in September when it was really with no air conditioning. And, and my mother had me wear wool pants. So my main goal in life, I'm serious. Ask my wife. <laughs> I'm in shorts now. Uh, my main goal in life is to be comfortable with this air conditioner or a T-shirt, Steve, or whatever. So having a comfortable camera and having the controls. And the R6 has, now has three little control wheels on it. And I know that sounds... Uh, 
I know all the cameras are over at the house. Um, it has a control wheel on the back, which has on the which I had on the 5D Mark IV, which the R doesn't have. And believe it or not, I switched to Canon in 1996 because of the feel of the camera. It did have fast. It matters. It does matter. That wheel lets me fine-tune the exposure. So you could actually program this camera so the three different wheels do three uh, do different things. And there's also a control ring on the, ca- on, the, on the lens, which is amazing. But getting back to the piano, uh, same thing with the guitar. You know, if I feel good playing my Paul Reed Smith guitar and I don't feel uh, – or my, uh, my Fender Precision bass, and I have a, a relatively inexp- inexpensive bass over here uh, – Actually, this costs about a hundred bucks, but I have it over here to practice. I have my good guitar over there, but I feel better on the other guitar. So that feel, I, and I think your musician uh, uh, listeners and viewers can relate to that. Yeah, I and I tell people when I when I help people or coach people on just doing this type of thing, right? Yeah, you're going to go do Skype or you're going to go do Zoom or whatever it is. I tell people take the time to you know, when you are going in to do it, you know, make sure that you've taken a shower or put on cologne or anything you would normally do during your day if you were going to go out. So that, you know, don't just go, oh, well, it's in my house. It doesn't matter because it changes your voice. It changes your presentation. It changes your feel. It, it changes so many things. There's, there's one question. I don't think I've ever asked Rick Salmon. And I want to because you know everybody. You shoot, <laughs> you specialize in not specializing. You photograph everything at a level of a Canon Explorer of Light, which very few people can do, right? Great photographers don't, don't, doesn't necessarily mean you're a great photographer in multiple genres. You happen to be. So I'm curious for your getting frame nervous. of mind. This is quite a build up. I'm getting No, it's an easy question. It's an easy one. <laughs> Who is a photographer or, you know, photographic artist out there that you think people may not know about that they should follow? Wow, that's uh, who they – I think I, I might answer that by say, suggesting people go on 500 Pixels or on Instagram. Okay. And <clears throat> the work – well, the, the work that some people are doing is just amazing – uh, getting back to music, Susan, you, you have Spotify, right? Yeah, yeah. So and Apple listen, Music, yeah. Right. So we listen to Spotify, and we're driving around in the car, and we hear this person, oh, that's Chick Corea, or oh, that's Santana. And it's not. It's someone who's as good or maybe even better, and you never heard of them. So I'd recommend if you're into music and you want to discover great photographers, uh, great uh, musicians, go on Spotify or or, or wherever, and same thing. Going 500 pixels. I will say this though: uh, there's a lot of p. Pe- there's a difference between having one, two, or three amazing shots over a lifetime, and having like a body of work, a body right. of work over an, an amazing lifetime. Uh, my friend Daryl Galeen, he's a, a fellow ex- a Canon Explorer of Light. You want to see great butterfly pictures. He does great horse pictures and wildlife. He's been to Antarctica. But if you want to see, he has a butterfly garden in his backyard. So he's doing amazing. Your first book was Butterflies. My my first coffee table book, uh, The Beauty of Flying Flowers, right? Did I send that to you? I hope so. 
No, no. <laughs> I've never seen that book in person. I've seen well, I've seen well, pictures of it online. He's I got it one, next to him. I, I, no, no, I, I don't because I only have one copy left. It's in the house. I just have this cover here <laughs> of, the, oh, yeah. uh, of the of the book. But anyway, uh, I, yeah, there are so many. I, I, I wouldn't want to say someone because then I might hurt uh, someone's uh, someone's feelings. But I, I totally get saw, it. I will say this since you brought up music. Mm-hmm. If you are into the jazz type feel, go yeah. look up Tal Wilkenfeld. Oh, who is the an bass amazing player. bassist. With- There's a video. There's a video of Tal Wilkenfeld playing with Jeff Beck. I've seen it when she's really young. She's not old now. She's super young still. But I'm talking yeah. like she was. I think she was like 16 or something. Yeah. Where Jeff Beck gets on his knees and starts bowing at her. I know. And it's just yeah. You got to look up Tal Wilkenfeld. So there's a good one. So no, Rick no, Tal is Tal is amazing. Yes. Yeah. Just, uh, she was at bass player live when I did photographs years ago and just amazing. So let me just remind everybody of a couple of things. First of all, the images that you are seeing on this were shot on a pre-production sample of the Canon EOS R6 camera, which was not a final version of the body. It's not out yet. It will be tweaked. And yet even then these pictures are amazing. The one shot at, you know, 2,500 ISO or 5,000 ISO, uh, for the Cardinal shot, are shocking. You can see the pictures at the website behindtheshot.tv. You can see all of Rick's links, his social media links, his website, his workshops, all of that, and links to his books that we talked about, right? At the very beginning, we talked about phototherapy and PhotoQuest. Uh, make sure that you check those out if you want to. They're on Amazon, and I've got links in the blog post. Uh, and if you're watching the video, his lower thirds have been coming up. Thank you so much for doing this. Well, thank you, my friend. You, you're really so good at what you do. It's uh, always an honor, a pleasure, and uh, and fun. And I remember when we were out in uh, Vegas, we went to the Valley of was it the Valley of Fire? No, uh, Red Rock. We went to Red Rock Canyon, and that was like a, a ton of fun. So I can't wait to hang out with you again and shoot and uh, and have some fun after well, all this craziness is over. We should mention that your Mount Rainier workshop was postponed from October. It's been moved to next year. People can find out information on that workshop, which I'm yep. hoping to go to based on scheduling I hope so. uh, next year. So look at that. You're doing that with Freddie Clark, actually, who's an amazing food and beverage photographer. Look up Freddie Clark, actually. That's a yeah, good Freddie's choice. great. Um, yeah, amazing guy. Uh, and then uh, he's also doing the workshop in New Orleans that you and yep. I will be participating in. And you can look up details on that through Freddie's site. So again, Rick, thank you so very much. I appreciate your coming on and talking about new unreleased gear. I'm envious that you got to photograph with it. <laughs> well, uh, it proves something that if you really try to do, if you set a goal, you know, I think we can accomplish it. Uh, you know, I always tell people, you know, shoot, shoot for the stars. And if you, uh, if you, if you miss and you only hit the moon, you're still doing okay. So said you said your goal's really high. I agree. Uh, Rick Salmon, Canon Explorer of Light. RickSalmon.com is where you can find all of his information. And before we go, just a couple of quick notes for you. First of all, I want to remind you about the thing that I'm doing with uh, Don Komarechka. We are doing our critique shows. The critique shows only air on the YouTube channel at Behind the Shot. It just Go to YouTube and search Behind the Shot or YouTube.com slash Behind the Shot and you can find it. And those we stream live, we're doing once a month. And if you want to get in on those, all you got to do is go over to Flickr, join the Behind the Shot photo group on Flickr, and submit your image to the group. That's part of it. Here's the key. You can submit your image and not want it critiqued. 
If you want it critiqued, you have to make sure that you actually put the Flickr tag BTS critique on the photo, not in the description, but they have their own tagging system at Flickr. BTS critique, all one word, and that will get you in on that. And uh, one last thing, Rick Salmon, uh, again, just thank you very, very much for doing this. Is there anything else people need to know that you're doing such as, and you know what? I just thought of what it is. Your Facebook group, Phototherapy, go search for yes. Rick's Phototherapy group. And how often are you streaming live there? Uh, we do it usually once a week, sometimes uh, twice a week. And that's with Juan Pons. And is Alec going to be a regular on that now? Yes, Alec is our moderator. We started on Zoom and we got, actually got Zoom bombed twice. So uh, he was... Uh, ah. we, we, Oh, it was hard. It was beyond horrible. So now we're doing YouTube. Uh, th thanks to your you know, your suggestion uh, uh, several months ago. So we're doing that in the phototherapy Facebook group. Live uh, is just a great place to share pictures and get comments. But uh, I would say during this lockdown, I am playing a lot of bass guitar. So uh, and it's not I, that. See, it, next oh, time I have you on, you need to play. Oh, I will. I mean, I. Uh, I, I was working on triplets. Well, you know Led Zeppelin, Bono, right? The drummer? Yeah. Uh, he, he was like amazing. Rather than just hitting on the, on the quarter notes, he would do that triplets like, you know, in one of their, in a lot of their songs. So I got the triplets down. What a triplet is, you play three notes in the space of one note. It's like, doo -doo -doo. Uh, so it's really, uh, I, I got that down. So I was playing some jazz. You know Jefferson Graham, right? So great jazz, he great jazz guitar player. So I hope to play some jazz with him someday. People don't talk about Jefferson. I actually recommended him to Scott Bourne for Scott's new guitar yeah, podcast yeah. that he's doing, and I know you were on it as well. So yeah, yeah. Uh, there's another podcast you should check out. There's room for everybody, people. There's room for everybody. So again, to everybody and to Rick, thank you very, very much, and to everybody else, thank you so much for joining us on Behind the Shot. This is the show where we try and get inside the mind of great photographers by taking a closer look behind one of their shots from conception to completion, all the stories and challenges that happen in between. My name is Steve Brazel. Feel free to follow me online, reach out as you wish, and we will see you on the next show. 